Jason. Today's episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast is brought to the good people by Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Budget Blinds! Jason, our friends at Budget Blinds of Lee Summit, they are the home of Signature Series Shades. All hail those robot shade overlords. That is the place to go if you are ready to turn your home into a smart home. It's going to help you save money. It's going to maybe help you save a life because they're the safe choice for your shades. You can add the safety. You can bring the energy efficiency. You got your signature shades. Oh, boy, those are hard. It's a hard word to say. It's like a tongue twister in the middle of this ad. Signature series shades at Budget Blinds Lee Summit. So if you are ready to make this your next stay-at-home project for your house, go see our friends at Budget Blinds right in the heart of downtown. Tell them Jason Nick sent you. Hello and welcome to this Friday episode of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast. I am Nick Parker and joining me again on a Friday, he's back, Jason Norberry. I'm here. I'm always so very excited to be here on your Friday show, mostly Jason, because I think it annoys you. It really does. And I am happy to report that I think for a good long while, this is the last one. Our extra innings game of election season is finally over. Um, look, we haven't had the election yet, so who knows? <laughs> this is true. Don't, don't. Let's not go there. Look, it's, it's 60 days too late. We're about. But on Tuesday, June 2nd, we can finally hold the municipal election. Does this mean like that Rob Benny is like the longest serving city council person in the, in the term limit era? Yeah, I think so. Because he got I, this extra 60 days? Now, because it's the term limited era, does that mean that there is an asterisk in the record books? Probably. I mean, it's it's kind of like the anti-steroid era, but, you know, it's like the reverse of that. But, yeah, I think it's um, – well, no, 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 like, Maybe he was juicing the diets. I don't know. Some of those votes came a little strong. He threw those votes a little far. He did. He and that extra 60 days of electoral stamina, clearly right. he's been juicing. So, Rob Benny, you can, you can put down the stenozolol – or the anabolic steroids, and you can, you, can taper, you, can tape, you can taper down. You can taper down. You're not a young man anymore. It's time to move on to the next wow. phase of your life. Wow. You know, we, we had a lot of jokes there, but then you just threw in the not a young man. Wow. I did. I did. Councilman Benny, you know where Jason lives. If you, you do. Want to go after him. And, uh, and another thing to uh, Councilman Faith, who had announced he wasn't going to run, but had to serve for an extra two months anyway. Uh, can, thank you for the time you spent on the council. Uh, thank you for the vote on the downtown apartment complex. And uh, we appreciate your time serving the community. Thank you. Wow. I think we should, we should throw the thank you to, 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 to Benny as well. Oh, well, no, definitely. Absolutely. A thank you to Rob Benny. He has been um, a, a source of uh, insight for us over the course of time. He's been on the podcast a couple of different times, always willing to come and talk to us when we have issues that we want to chitter about. Um, and, and he as well for even longer. Um, and, and, well, and that thank you also includes the, my texts and, and emails that say, Hey, I don't understand this. <laughs> Help explain it to me so that I can go try to explain it to other people on the podcast. Absolutely. So he's always been willing to, to be that guy. And, and, and really he's been, he has been a good friend of the, of the podcast and we appreciate all the work. Not only he did to help us out, but also what he's done for the city. Absolutely. He's been and a good, I would say safely to say he's been a good friend to, to Lee Summit as well. 
Well, Jason, let's get into it. This is our final uh, election wrap-up, little preview. We have, for the last few weeks, we've been, we've been resharing our interviews with the candidates. Those, were, those were, were interesting to do. All of them were done pre- in the before times. Pre-lockdown, except for, except for District 4 candidate Dottie Funk, who we did his via, via video conference. Actually, Steve Lee in, in District in district two we he was also done late but it was interesting and so i you know we're going to talk about at the le- on the second half of our show we're going to talk a little bit about about the the individual candidates for for city council and for board of education but one of the things we're going to talk about is all those conversations that we had with them happened before lockdown so the budget question has changed a little bit and there's going to be i think a different way for us to to look at their answers absolutely and i and i think that you know look the before times and it was literally it's like 80 days ago i, I, mean, I, I look i, I want to <laughs> redefine bc yeah we're going to redefine what bc means when we talk about time and it's now before, before quarantine no before that doesn't start with c <laughs> before corona like, and, i thought you were the smart one on the show <laughs> like it's late in the week i'm not used to this i do not have maybe i need to get some of uh rob benny's uh uh, legislative steroids <laughs> to get me through this podcast the second podcast this week but uh well, well, we're we're gonna tough through it. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna suck it up and give it give one for the team. All right. Well, before we get and, and we go back and talking about the candidates, the, the the two things we haven't revisited as we as we've done for the last few weeks to get to get ready for this extended uh, election day is we have not revisited the uh, the the use tax question for the city and and on Wednesday we did replay our interview with. Um, Board of Education Vice Chair Ryan Murdoch, where we talked a little bit about about the bond issue. So I want to talk, Jason, a little about those two things. Let's talk with the the use tax question that's on that's on the ballot, and let's just let's just start off like we usually do on that. Jason, put on the boring attorney hat. Look at the language. Look at and, language. And please, please try not to talk like an attorney. Just give us the the quick lowdown. What the heck is this thing? I actually, I'll, I will say this. So I'll start with that I actually opened up for the first time, and I'm going to estimate 12 to 15 years, my Black's Law Dictionary, just to look up what the definition of use tax was from a sort of a legal, de- a legal standpoint. And it's a very, very simple definition. It is a sales tax that is collectible by the seller or the purchaser domiciled in a different state. Uh, and so what that means is, is in the era of Amazon and online purchasing, a significant percentage of sales, uh, according to the city's website, uh, 11% of total sales were uh, done on the internet and not subject to sales taxes that you pay when you go downtown and buy a couch from Cameron's or a t-shirt at uh, Fossil 4 or or Local Foundry or wherever you shop locally, you end up paying a sales tax here because, and that's collectible in the state and, and payable in the state. But when you go on to an online retailer and you purchase something to be delivered, you do not pay a local sales tax for that. Uh, over the last several years, Amazon and some of the other major retailers have logged on and done state level taxes. Um, those have come on. And, and then more recently, there have been local, what are called use taxes. And it's, it's a sales tax. It's just that the seller and the purchaser are in different states. That's right. the basic gist. But Jason, but Jason, but I like shopping online because it means I don't always have to pay the tax. This is true. But think of it this way. That puts 
a local retailer at a disadvantage to an online retailer uh, and and you deal with that sort of thing so by doing that by a purchase that you would normally have made at a local retailer whether it be a very small retailer like the ones i've mentioned or a, even the largest of retailers like walmart um, pay those things if you purchase it here in the city you pay that tax and it goes into the city funds and is used to support the things that the city does so those you know police fire road improvements stormwater parks all of those sorts of things collect those taxes uh and and get paid for those sorts of things so really what we're doing here or what the city is proposing to do um in this this ballot issue is bring the online retailers into parity with local retailers so that it takes away that incentive to purchase just to save what will be two percent on or yeah two point two five percent on on a purchase well and, and let's let's say too this is this was brought up because the city bc was was already looking at an expected shortfall in revenue in the in coming in the coming years right we have seen those charts multiple times over the last right, right. so if i am a voter which which i am but 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 for voters should they think about well if the city was already looking at at tax revenues going down now we've just gone through 80 days basically of 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 our businesses being closed for the most part Mm-hmm. That's basically a quarter of the year. A quarter of the year has now been of of tax revenues to the city has been decimated. Is this something voters should consider when they're looking at this use tax and going, you know, maybe this is a, an extra two percent, which, by the way, is a drop in the city's bucket, right? This isn't this is not going to be a huge windfall for the city, right? There, this estimate, is a small, small portion right. of the budget. But is this something voters should consider that? you know what, it's, it's already going to be hard enough for the city to have the revenue to provide all these services that I am used to as a resident of Lee Summit. I think it does. Is that uh, fair of me to draw that? That's politics. It's all fair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I'm not trying to play politics. I'm just trying to think of, of the things that voters that we ought to think about as we go to a poll. I think, well, I mean, I think you could, look, go back in the BC, in the before times, right? BC. Uh, and our, our new phrase for the podcast, and you look at the projections of revenue and expenses over time without some sort of adjustment, and it had that this process was already going to happen. The city was going to experience shortfalls and would either have to find additional revenue or reduce expenses, which typically means reducing some city services somewhere. That's only, and so if that, that is a factor that people should have been weighing to begin with, and I think it's only exacerbated by this time. And, and I think that people may, you know, and look, not only may it affect the way they vote, it may affect their purchasing habits, right? I mean, I know I personally, you know, I, I'm not wanting to go out very much uh, right now, but to the extent we can, we go you know, we try to still buy things locally, either get them delivered or we go pick them up curbside or whatever the, the case may be. But you want to support those local businesses because they're the ones that pile that money, not only the sales taxes, but their employees and the, the business owners and the property owners. When they flourish, that money churns through the local economy in ways, not just to fund the city government, but in, in the overall scheme of things. So 
you know, maybe it's already affecting people's purchasing decisions. And, and it, should be, it should be a factor that they pay attention to. Um, and I would, I would say that at this point, you know, anything helps. Um, but there are, there are always people when you propose increasing a tax revenue uh, who are going to stand in opposition to that. And I, I don't know that it's by itself persuasive. Okay. Well, I think that's, I think that's a good little last look into, into what the use tax is and a, and a couple of things maybe to consider as you, as you head toward the polls on Tuesday to make your decision. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, make a short kind of inserted break here. As I say, as you head to the polls, make sure you go to the Jackson County Election Board website or check your mail from the last several days. Your polling location has likely changed. So make sure you go look up where your polling location is so that you know you go to the right place to cast your vote. Jason, let's move on. Let's go to the, let's go to the uh, R7 bond issue. Like I said, on Wednesday, we replayed our conversation with, with Ryan Murdoch from, from the R7 Board of Education. Let's talk a little bit about what that bond issue is. Let's review that first. And then, and then I want to ask you a little bit about process, our favorite thing. Okay. Well, it's a, it's a big bond issue. I mean, let's, let's not. Uh, let's <laughs> that, not... that might be the understatement of our show. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is a it's a big, it's a big bond issue. And that's okay. I mean, on a, on its own standpoint, uh, I think what you're looking at there is it's designed to do a lot of things. Um, it's well, got a I, lot of stuff coming into the, it. The, the highlights, the highlights are, you know, I think the big things that are, that are on people's minds are it's, it's a new middle school. It's uh-huh. adding a, a fourth middle school to the district. It's moving sixth it'll it it is setting up to move sixth grade out of elementary schools and into the middle schools and then it allows some other changes around the district early childhood stuff will expand we'll move to another building we're talking a lot of safety and security additions and changes throughout many of the buildings there are some some changes to the athletics and, and those facilities so this is a huge thing all right. Don't forget a big upgrade to Lee Summit High School, yes. um, our oldest, uh, our oldest high school. So, which is in need of some things for not only for just modernization, but also uh, being upgraded for safety and security of the students um, on the campus. Well, that's that's the word there on the campus. It will finally become an enclosed campus. Right. If, so if this passes, that's one of that's one of the big things. Which which for others people who who have grown up the last thirty years around here, there used to be a neighboring city had a, had a similar multi building campus that is now enclosed for safety and security reasons. So there we go. So those are the things that are on the ballot, um, and and all of those things are things that came out of the comprehensive facilities master plan process. Uh, that uh, that uh, they went through F- MP and and they went through that whole process. For new listeners, that's a running joke of me getting it wrong. Yes, uh, there are two. There were two phases of that. Then it went to the school board, and I mean, it was very, very. There's been a lot of input on it, both public and and at the school board level. Um, that they came out and they made this ask, knowing what they were asking for when they did that. Let's talk a little bit about considerations as, as, as you go to, to the ballot box on that one. And I think the, the, the two biggest questions, Jason, that, that we've heard from, from people in the community, uh, one is after the last 18, well, okay, I forget that it's now been three months of shutdown, so we have to stretch it even farther. But basically the last two years, 
a lot of people aren't sure they trust the district and the people running the district and the school board in particular to spend this kind of money in the most responsible way. And then the other thing we've heard is that, is that there are a lot of people who think maybe we shouldn't be talking about buildings. We should be talking about finding money to, to, to increase salaries for teachers, to, to make sure that we have the right administrators in the right places. What do you think are some of the answers to those or, or how, how have you heard, how have you heard some of the, the board members answer and respond to those questions? Well, I don't think anyone's ever really, I want to say credibly challenged the school board's financial management. I don't think that's ever been an issue. There's a lot of been, there's been a lot of interpersonal uh, rancor on the dais uh, that we've seen a couple rounds of that over the last four years. Um, There's been some, you know, there's a lot of disagreement in the district, um, you know, amongst the parents, amongst the staff and the faculty and all that about, you know, what equity looks like, what should it look like, how it should be implemented, all those sorts of things. We've had a lot of disagreements, but I don't think anybody argues, even for a second, that I've heard or seen or any evidence of that the district is mismanaged in some way. Maybe the priorities aren't where they should be, but that's more a function of who's on the board and who's the superintendent than it is, you know, that the money is being misspent or or wasted or unaccounted in any way of, of that regard. So that's sort of a the first part of that budget. Um, the second part, I think people, we, we've seen a little of this and not a lot, is that people have, are indicating like, if you vote no, that your property taxes are gonna go down. And that's not correct. Um, this is a no tax increase bond. So it's not really a change. There's no change in the levy rate on your home for the property taxes that we pay to support the school district. And a no vote is not going to have a material impact on what that is in the near future. That's the money just, they're not, it's not gonna generate new money or change. It's gonna fiddle things, but it's longer down the road. It's not an immediate impact on that. Um, as for uh, teacher salaries, Nick, how do you feel about teacher salaries? Well, look, I, I, I think they all should be paid six figures minimum. Absolutely. And you have no personal vested stake in Dude. that at all. <laughs> no. All right. So <laughs> yeah, look, look, that's fine. And, and, and obviously being married to a teacher, although outside this district um, and being raised by a teacher. Yes, they should ask for more money. They should get more money. However, there's, they don't come from the same buckets. A bond issue can only be spent on physical project projects like what we're talking about here, which is construction and things like that. So capital expenditures, capital expenditures. So a vote no on this does not mean there will be more money available to for salaries for people for the human resource. So that's a great conversation to have, and we should absolutely have that conversation about about our, our, our teachers in our district, are their salaries and wages, are they competitive with other districts in the area? Do they need to be higher than other districts in the area? Because, hey, we're the summit, we're awesome. Right. Are we spending enough of the operating revenue that right. our district makes on teacher salaries or is, are the percentages that we are doing that off? That is absolutely a valid and righteous debate and conversation to have. But it's not the same conversation as this one, which is, which is, is, are these needed projects, are these necessary projects to help not only, not only make our school district better, but to keep it aligned with the current goals that we have set as a district? 
That is the question. And that's, and that's the thing that the, the, the voters really need to think about. I think, I think making it about making it about trusting the district, um, the district's board of education to, to handle that is, is, is kind of a distraction. I think, I think making the conversation about, about teacher salaries is, is a distraction as well, because those are, those are separate things. And despite all of the consternation that the district's been through, none of that has really been about the finances and the way they've, the way they've spent their money. Right. And, and then, and you and I, they're just separate conversations. Right. And you and I have been highly critical of the school district over the last year and change um, as they, I'm going to say handled um, the, the separation from Dr. Carpenter. Uh, however, credit where credit is due. I think that the, the facilities master plan process was actually very good. Um, there were like two dozen different public engagement opportunities throughout the course of that process with all kinds of different interest groups ranging from you know parents to students to faculty to staff to administration to the business community to you name it everybody got uh opportunity not only to be on the the planning committee but also just to engage with the work that was going on and so really i think it was a very good process um that that was done so credit to the school district for that as, as someone who spent a few minutes in in the world of, of public participation with 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 municipalities and districts they're not always as inclusive as this process was. So I'm, I'm just going to say in comparison to some of the things that I've seen that I've covered or that I've even been a part process, part of those processes, this was a pretty, pretty deep and inclusive process that included people throughout the community, whether it was business leaders, whether it was residents, whether it was parents, um, current and former, former staff and, and teachers. So, so this was a pretty, this was a pretty in-depth process and this was the recommendation that came out of it. I think, I think it, look, it's a ton of money. That's a lot of money to think about. And so if you have reservations, that's good. I just want to make sure that, that everybody is considering the right things as, as they go to the ballot bot box and decide whether or not they want to support this, this big ask. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think you're you're right on, and, and that's what we try to do. Other things like what are the questions we want people that we think are really germane to what we're dealing with. There are one, like I said before, on the the use tax issue, there are always a subset of our population who's going to vote no on any taxation thing at all. Um, one, I'm not talking to those people <laughs> as a whole, and they're probably not listening to us anyway, but. Um, but I mean, so those, that's a, that's a strongly held opinion that is inflexible in its nature and, and is not one that we're really, but if you're trying to parse out, like, what are the things we need to look at? Don't get distracted by some of the shiny stuff on one side or another, you know, think about those, you know, trying to stay focused on those key, key factors and, and don't let tangential issues, uh, distract you from the, the core stuff that you can make a decision. And if you haven't, whether, whether you want to vote for it or not, and 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 if if you haven't, I would encourage you to go to go listen to um, the the conversation we had with with Brian Murdoch, and obviously, very obviously, as a member of that board of education, he was he was in he is in favor. He is speaking in favor of of the bond issue. But I think he did a pretty good job of laying out each of those projects and kind of what they meant. In in a, obviously, he was supporting, but I think it was in a way too that as a listener and as a voter, you can look at those and you can make your decision whether or not you think those are valid projects 
for the district to be asking for. See, now we've proven twice that we can say nice things about the school board. There we go. We've done it. Hey, that's going to wrap up our first half of the, of the episode. We're going to take a short break and hear, uh, hear from one of our sponsors. And then we are going to be back. And we're going to talk a little bit, Jason, about the candidates. Hi, I'm Jane Monroe, owner of Embrace the Grape and District 4 resident. Donnie Funk has my vote for city council, and here's why. Donnie's time serving on the planning commission, his experience in the construction industry, and his work as a small business owner has given him the insight we need on city council. This means that Donnie knows the questions to ask to get accountability for our tax dollars. Donnie Funk is a strong advocate for public safety and will work to ensure police and firefighters, along with all city employees, are well cared for. Join me in voting Funk for Four. All right, Jason, well, let's shift over our conversation to candidates. Let's talk about the candidates. I want to start with the LSR7 Board of Education. There are three spots available, nine candidates. Man, I remember, Jason, I remember times when trying to get enough people to run was was a hard, right. a hard or thing. You only had the three incumbents running right. for re-election, and there was, not an, there was no election. Right. Um, that was actually, that wasn't long ago. That, that was just that three long, or four years ago when we were doing that. And now there are nine candidates for three spots, and only one of those nine is an incumbent. That is Kim Fritchie. Our other candidates are Kathy Campbell, Megan Marshall, Christine Bushyhead, Dr. Matt Niewald, Larry Anderson, Dr. David Thompson, Mark Leach, and Brian Osterman. Those are your candidates for the R7 Board of Education. We had each of those candidates on our show. We, we, we Unlike we some that. races we're going to discuss, <laughs> right. all of the candidates came and talked to us. Unlike the city council and all candidates and the Board of Education, we're willing to talk and willing to answer questions. And Jason, you know, we joke that there's a lot of softballs when we do those, and especially that we had to do, to, to get everyone in, we had to do three candidates at a time. Um, but I think we asked them, we, we were able to push each of them a little bit on a, on a few things. We did talk to them a lot about, about budget and, and their thoughts going into that. Those questions have changed a little bit. I think since the, since the lockdown and the current trend of the economy, I think that it's going to be a more difficult thing for them for them to answer in the future but Jason well and you've got the you know I mean several of the candidates had and discussed and I think they all did to a certain extent talked about you know what does the future of education look like and none of them I mean and look to be honest none of us thought about well what happens if we can't go into the buildings anymore (laughs) for a long time and and there is I mean you know I know all the plans are going where they're going and all this but there is still a very very real possibility that we're going to begin the 2020-2021 school year virtually again Um, and and that's a thing that they're going to have to think about, and that's going to cause just a whole mess of allocation of re- reallocation of resources. And and Lee Summon is really pretty well prepared with that. But they've got one, you know, every student has their own laptop and all those things. But it's been hard on the students. It's been incredibly hard on the teachers. Well, and that conversation, Jason, that conversation is going to be the first thing that they are as, as new board members. That's going to be the first thing that they're going to have to tackle because you know the the, the state and the district are already saying, look, we're we're not going to be ready to even talk about decisions, you know, to get close to decisions until July at the earliest. So that's it. That's going to be the first big thing right in front of their faces when this when this new board 
sits down for their first meeting. So that's it's good. It's good that they'll be able to ease in. Really <laughs> right. Right. Nothing. Like, you know. Hey, look, we don't need you to jump into the fire or anything. No hard decisions. At first. Yeah. Well, look, you, you, you put your name on that ballot and you've signed up for whatever comes you your way. You raised your hand to serve. Congratulations. Congratulations. Here's a pandemic. <laughs> and do that. Jason, so let's, let's, let's talk a little bit though, though, Jason, I'm curious. And I, and I, and this is a little bit unfair of me because those conversations were two months ago. And that was BC. BC. You know, what did, what did you hear? What, what kind of stood out from those conversations as with the exception of the, the things surrounding the pandemic, what stood out to you among all of those candidates as, as issues they all thought were going to be things they had to tackle? I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, I, in large part to me, the, the conversations, I mean, we made a point to talk about the equity, uh, the equity plan, and and how that was going forth and there were some differences in how they would go about dealing with those and we pushed on uh, virtually every candidate and and i thought some of them had some some interesting answers and and i thought uh you know kim fritchie's answer was unique obviously because she was sort of going through that process from the inside and it was kind of an, an insightful answer um on on that sort of thing but i think that they they had some different visions a little bit here and there about where education is going and how we're going to kind of adapt what we're doing. You know, how are the buildings changing? How do, how does curricula change? How do the teachers change? What are we dealing with? And, and to me, that was, that was interesting. And I think it was a point where there was a little bit more differentiation amongst the, the candidates than you might get on a lot of the other, a lot of the other issues that, you know, I mean, look, they were all in favor of the bond issue or, you know, they're all going to claim they're pro-teacher and they're all, you know, none of, none of them were running for the school board on the, now we pay those teachers too darn much uh, as a, as <laughs> that's a That's a good way so, to get elected. No, it's a good way to get the teachers mad at you. But uh, <laughs> beyond that, so I think that that's one of the, that's one of those areas where we, we were getting into and like, you know, what is this going to look like? What are these issues coming up? Um, I think the other big one is the relationship with Dr. Buck. Uh, yeah, is, I think that that stood out to me. I think a, a lot of them really came ready to talk about um, really what had happened the previous 18, 24 months, and they were ready to talk about how the board should conduct themselves and how they should work with each other and how they should work with, with the new superintendent, Dr. Buck, who, who will start his job officially in July. Hey, welcome. Well, I, he, you know, he's already been on like Facebook Live stuff yeah. and other things with the district talking about the bond issue and things of that but, nature. So he's already I, been there. It was it was interesting that they were all, I think that's the thing that's been on at probably every voter's mind, every candidate's mind is, is we watched a very dysfunctional board in that whole thing surrounding the, the equity plan surrounding Dr. Carpenter. And I think they were all ready to talk about it. And even the incumbent, Kim Fritchie was was ready to ready to talk about it, and she was pretty open about what she she felt she'd learned about those processes and 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 how they were how they were going to 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 work going forward. And I think that's an important thing because really there are only a, a few jobs that the board does, right? And that's you know that's hire the superintendent, that's approve the budget, and then that's hold you know hold the superintendent and his administration accountable going forward as as they 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 make the mission happen. So 
And I will say this, I, that is a, that last one, the, the hold accountable, that relationship, because that accountability goes both ways and it, and it can be done in a lot of different ways. But the, the board in various iterations, to be clear, has not done a good job of that with both of the last two superintendents. And, and I would say that's an issue that, that people should pay attention to. That to me is the thing that, that if, when you go and you listen to, to our conversations with them, if you're listening to conversations that they had with other groups around the community and there, which there were more candidate forums, I think this year, or at least planned, <laughs> almost everybody had to go virtual, but there were more of those I think than we've seen in previous years. But I, that's the issue I think you ought to pay attention to as you're, as you're picking the three of nine that for you, for your choices is how are they going to approach that role of, uh, of accountability and how are they going to approach communication with their constituents those are the two things that were really i think sorely lacking in the last few years and so when you're looking at, at putting new members on on the board or or re-electing look at look at how they responded to those questions and, and and what they think their plans are to improve those areas absolutely and then you know think about how you know your understanding of where things were and how things are going and and where you want that to be you know do you want a a little bit more of a, an assertive board that kind of really holds that the superintendent more tightly to account or do you want a board maybe that that steps back a little bit there was a lot of conversation in the, in the various forums about you know how much get along should the board have um, and and people were discussing those sorts of issues as well. So those things, how they conduct, how the board interacts with each other, and how they interact with the administration, are are really key things. And and there's some differences in the candidates, and and how you think that should be is going to have an impact on how you should vote. Now we're going to flip over to city council and the candidates there, and this is a totally a different conversation, Jason, because publicly the public facing part of it there has been none of that kind of on the dais drama from the city council that we had seen from from previous city councils or from 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 the board of education i think the focus is obviously focus again will be on budget and and the expected giant budget shortfalls but it's also going to be on development and it's going to be on communication with, with the constituents, which is a, a continuing thing that every election, you and I harp on it. We have listeners and readers and people throughout the community. Everybody wants better communication. And yes. You, you, you mentioned it before. Every candidate for the Board of Education came on and talked to us. Two incumbents for the city council did not, did not even respond to, to information. So, that's a that's a thing right there. But as you're as you go through and, and listen, I think that the three things that are really the, the 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 big issues are again going to be how do they approach the budget, and then and then how are they looking at development, the future development of the community that includes incentives, and how those packages work to lure in new developments, and then how are they going to communicate with their constituents to make sure that they are best representing the people in their districts. Absolutely, uh, and you know, I mean, as we as we have talked about. Even we, we had really one candidate that we really talked to after the sort of the lockdown lockdown um, really had started to be in place. And, and even then, we weren't 
I think, cognizant of how disruptive it was new <laughs> the next two months or well, however long this is going to continue is is going to uh, was going to be. You know, people maybe were thinking, oh, it'll just be a couple of weeks or whatever, and and we just didn't know the scale and the scope of of the the change and and the disruption that we've had in our community. And I will say that the 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 city is far more dependent on sales taxes and revenue that is sort of economic, you know, based on even the economic engine than like the school board is because property taxes, unless we have a significant real estate crash, property taxes are going to be kind of what they are and they'll go right. up or not as the, as the market shifts around. But sales tax revenue is low. And we, I mean, we hit on this a little bit earlier and I'll have you. And so there it's, it's going to have an impact not only on like how the city does its business. I mean, so as we're recording this on Thursday night, I I'd had planning commission earlier and it was our second or third planning commission with uh, on video conference. And, and we, you know, the, uh, one of the city attorney staff came on and said, the next one, you know, whatever the plans are, the next one we have scheduled is going to be by video conference and then we'll make decisions going forward. So, once again, it's possible we'll be having virtual city councils for months um, as we go through this process, just depending on the, how the disease, how COVID progresses through our community. And that's where I think it's I think it's important as a, as a voter to whether you're listening to to interviews um, and conversations that the candidates had or material that the candidates have put out. Almost all of that was done before times, as you like to say. But you can still look at their approach to to the budget issues, at their approach to to the development and incentive processes, and and look at their look at how they grasp those issues and and how they think they could make things work for the better in the city, because that's going to give you an idea of how they address it in this even harder time, in this more difficult time of of increasing revenue for the city, of making of making decisions that are going to be, can we can we not only improve the services the city provides to us, the residents, but can they maintain the services the city provides? Those right. are going to be hard questions. And you really, I think, need to listen to how they, how they respond to those questions and their approaches to make sure that you're picking the right person. Right. And, and we, I don't think we ran into this too much in the interviews that we did. But if you're looking at uh, a candidate who's extremely dogmatic and inflexible, you know, that may, this may not be the best time to have an inflexibility. And when you're talking about how do they approach it, do they have, you know, a flexible thing? Is it in the best interest of the city? And, you know, this is, I don't have an answer to this question for, is it in the best interest of the city for the, for our development, our incentive policy to be more strictly applied? So we maybe give out fewer incentives in the next year or two because we need the budget, we don't want to take the budget hit. Or perhaps is the better answer to really incentivize some development to get that extra whatever we can get in there for the, for the knock-on effects that, that it has on our economy. Minds are going to differ on that, but the answer is not the same as it was in the before times. And, and you know, we can... That, that's not, it's not necessarily the same answer that you have. So do they have, are the people's, you know, the way they approach it, the way they go through that, are they flexible enough to adapt to this radically different situation that we have today than we had merely three months ago? 
You know, a lot of the every election, you, the kind of cliche thing is there's not a more important time to make the decision now, right? That's kind of the, the cliche statement of every election season. I'm going to change it a little bit. This might be one of the hardest times to make a decision as a voter because you're really, you're really looking to pick leaders who to get us through a time that none of us really know. Yeah, and look, there's so guy, many unknowns. I'm a guy who likes to think he knows some stuff, and I am astonished at the things I can't even start to figure out right now. I mean, it's just, it's all new. It's all confusing. It's all difficult to even guess what we're dealing with. We just don't know. If we're building a budget today, we're building it on assumptions that may or may not be applicable in August and again in December. And so the, the, the amount of change that we're going to be dealing with um, on every front, but in the city government and in the school board uh, and our school administration is going to be important. And the ability to deal with that, I think, is, is paramount to what we're dealing with coming forward. Well, as we round out this part of the show and this discussion, I'm going to run through and let everybody know once again who their candidates are. For District 1 City Council, you have Hillary Shields, Steve Lambert, and Robert Dye. In District 2, your candidates are Timothy Shrout, Andrew Felker, Roberta Goff, and Steve Lee. In District 3, you have Phyllis Edson and Dr. Rocco Florio. And in District 4, my old stomping grounds, you have Fred DeMauro and Donnie Funk as your two candidates for District 4 City Council. Jason, that's going to wrap us up for this week. The last, hopefully, last time I'm going to have you on a Friday for a long, long time. I want I am, my Friday show back, man. I'm totally Zoom bombing every Friday interview you do prepare for. <laughs> I, you know what? I, I got to tell you, I've only been able to do a couple during since since the lockdown started, and because we were mostly playing election stuff. Um, I, I miss I miss my Friday conversations. I'm ready to get my my fun interviews back. You better do. Well, there's your call, right? We're going to call out to everybody now. If you think you are or know someone who'd be a good interview for Nick to interview on Friday and for me to Zoom bomb, uh, by all means, uh, we, we you need to send us uh, email or Facebook or any of the other ways you connect so that Nick knows who to go talk to. I, I want some new good stories. So send me people. If you've got a good story, if you know a friend, neighbor, whatever, with a good Lee Summit story, let me know. I want to tell it. That will do it for this week. We will talk to everybody on Monday.